greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
Look at the look in the eye of the Macho King. What's going on now? Macho King's just discussing the situation with James Douglas. called Rope-A-Dope, if you ever watched Ali. He's setting him up for Rope-A-Dope. Look, James Buster Douglas isn't asking for any of this, Jesse. He's simply counting one, two, three. Oh, a slap by the Macho King! He slapped him right in the face! What guts on the part of the Macho King! I mean, he slapped the World Heavyweight Boxing Champion right in the face! And James Buster Douglas does nothing. Oh, wait a minute. The hands are up now. Douglas, I think, is going to raise his hands. Douglas better watch out or oh, Michael Taylor will paintbrush him. All right, Savage moving in now. Savage bobbing and weaving a moment ago. Savage turning his back on James Buster Douglas after slapping him in the face. It's a good thing Douglas is a gentleman, I can tell you that. This is Douglas gonna take. Wait a minute. Oh! Oh! Nails him again! What a sucker punch! And Hogan pushed him into it! What kind of deal is that, McMahon? It took two of them. They had to double team the Macho King. Hello and welcome to Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. And this is the Hogan Era Podcast. I am your host, JP John Paz. With me this week, very special guest, the man behind the RTW Rewind and the main event. And he's hell, he's even got a bowling podcast right now. He is the man behind the dork side of the ring, Rad Rob. Rad, welcome in. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Uh-huh. Good to be here, Pod. Looking to talk about that goddamn Hulk Hogan. Uh-huh. Isn't Savage like the most copied, like imitated wrestler, you would think, yeah, of the voice? Gotta be. I mean, I think everybody has a has a macho man. <laughs> I was talking a while back, Jason Sensation. He was like, oh, everybody tries to do Macho Man. I was like, some people aren't that good at it. Some people are. I feel like he's an easy one because you just got to get into it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. DDP does a great one. I mean, we know Bruce Pritchard does a great one. Yeah. Uh, Jay Lethal was fantastic when he did the oh, Black. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think everybody, I think Macho Man probably is the most copied uh, wrestler as far as uh, um, imitations. Yes. Feel like everyone knows macho man whether they realize it or not they know slim jim they know macho man they know the history such a big star huge yeah absolutely everyone always thinks i always say too because of the hogan era obviously it's the hogan era for a reason and everyone else needs to fall into their place but when hogan is at the precipice in 88 still dominant they have another guy right there hanging with him and there's no drop-off when savage wins the title we'll get more into it but there's no drop-off which is weird because about a year plus later, Warrior gets the title and you start seeing a drop off. So to me, I always say Savage above Warrior because there's literally was no drop off. You could say the time period, whatever. It was just, to me, it was just like, okay, that kind of proves that Savage is a main eventer who can hold his weight in the Hogan era. I mean, he was, he was a big deal. I mean, he, he was always great as a heel, uh, but I, I enjoyed his babyface run, you know, from 88 to, to early 89. Um, I thought he did a great job as champ. And everybody loved him. Everybody loved Elizabeth. You know, he was colorful. He was outspoken. He was a fantastic wrestler. I mean, he could, he was so smooth in the ring. Uh, so when Hogan went to film No Holds Barred, I mean, 
Um, you know, Savage was the perfect guy to just step in. Uh, he's already established, obviously, and getting the rub from Hogan as being, you know, like, you know, the number two in WWF uh, was a pretty big deal. To me, you always kind of looked for that number two, or Vince at least was like looking for that, and you couldn't find him for a while. I mean, there are yeah. so many good stars and so many other guys, but like I was saying in the show, Hogan's at the top of the mountain, the top of the pyramid. Everyone else falls into place because he's on the top. So you got Andre, it's a huge star. Piper's a huge star. Savage is going to come in. You know, he's a huge star, but they all fall into place because Hogan is the top guy. Right. So in 85, when Hogan's kind of looking for some more opponents and looking around, he's like, why don't we bring in this guy, Randy Savage from Memphis? This guy is awesome. The macho man. Vince, you know, saw him and obviously saw a ton of potential and star power in the macho man. And they made a big deal about Elizabeth coming in too as his manager. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's like a big spectacle. Who's going to be Randy Savage's manager? I uh, you know Bobby Heenan, uh, Mr. Fuji. I think Lou Albano was there at that time. Uh, I want to say, I don't know, if it was a Grand Wizard involved in that too, possibly. I don't remember mm -hmm. what his time period was, but everybody was vying for the services of Macho Man. So as soon as he came in, they treated him like he was a big deal. That was cool because if you look back, you're like, wow, they all want to manage him. So this guy must be something, must be important. And it's like, wow, all these guys, you know, you got Bundy and you got Stud and you get this guy, you get that guy. Yeah. But they want to manage the Macho Man. So it just shows you immediately, like, that's how you get a guy over. Just when you bring him in, let's say a lot of people didn't know who he was from the territories right. or from Memphis or from ICW or whatever. You say, wow, whoever this guy is, he's important because everyone else wants to be associated with him. And in turn, it, it puts Elizabeth over because of all these fantastic, you know, established managers that we have. They bring in this young, great-looking woman who nobody knows who she is at all, uh, a, a new fresh face, and pair him with him, this highly sought-after prospect, and boom, she's instantly made. Yep. Boy, first crush, you know what I mean? Uh, no oh, offense yeah. to Moolah, but, uh, you know, not liking <laughs> Moolah, and then you see Elizabeth, you're like, whoa, who is this? It was definitely yeah. a change, to, you know, to, yeah. to what we, we had been uh, trained to see when it came to, uh, to pro wrestling at that time. Yes. So, really, the first match that Hogan and him are going to have, 1985, September 28th, 1985, on the Prism Network from Philly, from the Spectrum, of course. But it's funny to think, is we're talking a little bit later, where we're saying, off oh, the greatest feud of all time. It's really 88, 89, and really, really beginning part of 90. But yeah. it's like, wow, they first had that match back in 85 when Hogan saw the potential in him and wanted to work with him. And the Philly Spectrum is one of the big stops on the way, especially when it was on the Prison Network. One of the big stops. So it's like, wow, Hogan saw some faith in him right away. He kind of cherry-picked who he wanted to work with and who he thought he could draw with and, and if he could make money with this guy here, this guy there. He worked with a lot of different guys in a lot of different territories. But that Northeast Philly market, to work with Macho Man, it's pretty good in 85. Yeah, and it's yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, it was it was Philly, it was MSG, it was the Boston Garden. You know, they had their staples uh, when it came to the Northeast, and uh, to do it on a house show was great because you know, uh, aside from the syndicated TV, they were able to you know just get in the ring and feel each other out and and see if they had any chemistry. Uh, and you're right, Hogan did cherry pick who he wanted to work with at that time, and like you said early on, he was the one that brought him in. He saw potential in Macho Man. I mean, say what you want about Hogan personally. Um, he was a fantastic businessman and a fantastic, uh, had a fantastic mind for, for the business and how to draw money. And uh, yeah, early on, I mean, he just, he was planting the seeds uh, that they, you know, they were able to uh, reap the benefits from later on. And it's funny because you think of like, okay, 
the Giants of the era, Andre, Bundy, like he's feuding with all these big guys throughout the time period. Piper, not necessarily a big guy. Then you, and you look at, wow, he made a ton of money with, with Piper. Orndorff, yeah. huge muscular, but not necessarily a big guy compared to Hogan. Drew a shitload of money with him. And then yeah. Savage, it's like, wow, like maybe WWF wasn't the land of the Giants as you almost perceive them because Hogan made all these, all you know, so much money with those three guys, just to speak of the smaller guys. True. I mean, and historically, if you, if you look at Hogan's, you know, feuds, he had he had Andre and he had Bundy. But I mean, how many other big man did he really have a, a program with? I don't remember him ever doing anything with like the one man gang. Um, I guess you could Just say boss. Man. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Boss man. Definitely. Boss man was a bigger guy. But I mean, honestly, the, the, the stuff you remember, uh, it's savage. It's warrior. You know, it, it's it's your smaller guys um, or, you know, they. I thought they they left a lot of money on the table with Piper. Uh, there was a lot more on that bone, but I don't know if it was just politics or Hogan was afraid that Piper was going to get over on him or outdraw, uh, be a, you know be a bigger draw than him. But uh, and I know this isn't what we're talking about, but I still think and even Piper admitted it that there was a lot more that they could have done, especially if they put the title on him uh, and had Hogan be the the, the chaser. But uh, yeah, typically I enjoyed Hogan's matches better when he had somebody athletic to work with. It's funny. We were talking to uh, Jargo a few weeks ago here about Piper and where that could have led. Hogan definitely was skeptical. Like if he drops the Piper, will Piper do the job back? But it's weird. WWF, especially with Pedro Morales and Bob Backlund and Bruno, that top face never chased. He was the champion right. for thousand plus days, as was Hogan, 1400 plus. And like yeah. they kept it. So that was the, the good formula. So I can understand Hogan not wanting to lose and break that formula because it worked for them. But also, Piper wouldn't job to him. He wouldn't pin, get pinned by him. So that, too, it's like, okay, he's not going to do business, brother. we got to move on to Bundy. Because I I thought the WrestleMania 2 in the cage was Hogan Piper. And it gets, you know, basically, obviously, you get Piper and Mr. T, and then you get Hogan and Bundy. But to me, it's like, wow, I wonder if that was really, in essence, going to be Piper's big one-on-one match against Hogan. But Piper is not going to lose for whatever reason. No, I mean, I mean, and Piper later on said he would have, but I mean, who knows if, you know, what mindset he had at the time when this big feud was going on. They both had egos. I mean, yeah. Piper could say what he wants after the fact, you know, even though it didn't happen. Um, but it, it is strange to see, like, what would have happened if they went with that uh, as a big program? Uh, would have Hogan and, and Savage ever worked out? You know, would have they gone down a different path? What would we have now? It's funny how one decision could just change everything. Um, and WWF, dip, you know, you're, you're right. Typically, was the babyface territory, whereas, uh, you know, down south in the in the Mid Atlantic and Crockett's and Carolina and Georgia, you know, with Ric Flair on top being the heel for most of the time, they were a heel territory with the babyface chasing. So it's funny to see the two dynamics uh, and, and the, the two wrestling styles and and, and the way they book uh, both fantastic in their own right. Uh, but it is it is kind of funny to see the the difference between the two major promotions at that time. So with Savage, they have another match in MSG Network in 1986. February 17, 1986, Hogan defeats Savage in a Lumberjack match right on TV at MSG. They have another match, and it's going to be in Denver, Colorado in August of 87. And then after that, it's basically, okay, let's get to Saturday night's main event, October 3rd, 1987, and let's turn Savage babyface. If you remember the 
honky tonk and the heart foundation are, are attacking and beating up savage and the greatest hogan moment possibly of all time the where, where is elizabeth take me to like yeah. you don't know i love his reaction like he doesn't know the arena he doesn't know where to look and then all of a sudden he looks and he's like you We're like oh it's yeah. so good it's so funny because it's like hulk come on <laughs> yeah all right you know what's going on here but he his acting is great it's like he doesn't realize she's taking him down to the ringside i just always tickled me i thought that was so funny basically it's like okay he sees money and savage like why don't we turn him baby face and then build up the mega powers exploding let's 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 build our next star and then obviously turn him and then hogan beats him and you have this gigantic feud and gigantic money maker but what did you think about the initial face turn for the macho man i i loved it i mean i you know as a kid i i enjoyed him as a heel uh you know i loved him and steamboat at wrestlemania 3 it didn't matter you know what side he was on they both put on a great match and you know, for many, many years, that was my favorite match. And it, it really it was for most people, too. Uh, so I was a big fan of his stuff. And when and I was a I, I was a Hulkamaniac at that point. Uh, but when Macho Man turned babyface, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, this is one of my favorite guys. Now he's a good guy. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic pairing. I mean, and like I said, giving the rub to Savage uh, by pairing him with, with the top guy and letting people know that this guy is OK. Like, he's with me. Like, nobody's going to mess with Macho Man as long as he's with me. Uh, really, again, just makes him a made man. And, you know, it, it's weird if Hogan didn't do that. Again, what would have happened? It's 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 obviously in hindsight now. Uh, but I can't imagine if, if that never happened, you know, where, where would we be today? Uh, it's just uh, there's so many decisions, like I said, uh, that can go one way or another. And obviously things worked out great for, for both of them. Uh, you know, main eventing WrestleMania 5 and you know, doing the stuff in WCW later on. Uh, there's a lot of mileage uh, on those two. Uh, but initially, I thought, it was, I thought it was really, really cool. I found this awesome random house show match November 10th, 1987. Listen how awesome this is. So it's really the uniting of the Mega Power. So it's Hogan, Savage, and then Jim Duggan added to the team to defeat the Heenan family of king harley race king Kong bundy and rick rude from vancouver british columbia canada i was like oh my god what a rare wow. awesome six man wow yeah and i love hacksaw too like that what a perfect pairing like <laughs> yeah. you know like he was a fantastic baby face and i it's unfortunate that a lot of guys didn't get bigger runs because hogan was the top guy uh even jake the snake i mean we all know how great jake roberts was too uh and piper and and you know guys that never got the title uh but uh is that on youtube or is there where, where can we find that match because i'd like to watch I, it i don't know i'm actually going to search for it on look youtube for it. Yeah. i was i found it i always look on cage match which is a great mm -hmm. uh it's resource for listings matches and stuff and yeah. i was like that is rare i was like vancouver british columbia i wonder if it's filmed i wonder if somebody has somewhere but i gotta check because that just sounds to me awesome i love when they would have those random ass six mans and tag matches you know it'd be like hogan and steve are teaming up one night i mean i love that yeah. stuff it's so cool even like the Royal Rumble '89 when it was uh, what hacks on a Heart Foundation against the Rougeos and Dino Bravo, I believe it was. So, yeah, I always love random, you know, pairs like that too, or or hacks on Demolition against uh, the Twin Towers and Andre the Giant at SummerSlam '89. So, uh, yeah, well, we'll both have to go and see if that match is available because yeah. that that sounds a really intriguing match with all 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 those six guys. So it's funny. It's like where are they headed so obviously hogan ends up losing the title to andre very controversial fashion with the twin referees yes. or earl Hebner. i love that uh, hogan 
not assuming they're twins, assuming it's some sort of facial surgery. <laughs> you know, I, I love that of the Hulkster. Another random ass funny Hulk yeah. thing that always gets me. Like, come on. <laughs> Obviously, the twins. All. I, he knows, but the way he's portraying on TV is just yeah. like, totally laughable. So, and that was the number one watched uh, wrestling program ever. 33 million people. That's amazing. 30. <laughs> They're fighting over two million right now. Fighting over two million right now, but can you imagine that, man? Thirty-three million—that's that's insane. I love it. It's a different time, different era. Yeah. Or or it's Hogan and Andre, and everyone was loving wrestling and their household names and their mainstream. Like that's good point. Yeah, Power Hulkamania and Andre was a gigantic, gigantic star. Um, it's just awesome to think like, okay, the Hogan era it leads to thirty-three million people, but then. How do you follow it up? I mean, what do you do? Okay, so then you create a star in DiBiase because he's the evil mastermind that set it all up. So it's like, okay, yep. you're creating him as a star. So then, okay, if DiBiase and Andre, who's kind of fading, getting older, yep. they can still use the star power. They can still have him beat Hogan in, in a cheating way and still draw money with him, but he's not going to be what he once was. He's really faded. You've seen WrestleMania 4, can barely move. Yeah. So. DiBiase's the big heel. Like, who could create over here on the babyface side? So, who comes out victorious of WrestleMania 4? But Macho Man Randy Savage winning the tournament for the vacated title after that no good Jack Tunney basically said, We're going to have a <laughs> tournament for the WWF title at Trump Tower in WrestleMania 4 in Atlantic City, New Jersey. So, it was one of those things where Savage became a star. DiBiase became a star off the back of Hogan, who yeah. was kind of uh, not off the back of Andre, but off the back of that feud. So yep. they created two main event stars, not like mid Carter's not, they created two legit main event stars off of their, their feud. I gotta love that. And how great was, was Ted DiBiase? I mean, you're, you perfect heel. Like if you wanted to sculpt a perfect heel, uh, Ted DiBiase was that guy. Everybody hates the rich guy. You know, the, the rich guy is going to flaunt all his money and he's, you know, paying a kid to dribble a basketball and then he kicks it away from them. Like you're such a dick. Uh, so, I mean, he was a perfect foil at that time. And like we said, with Macho Man getting the rub from Hogan uh, and getting a seal of approval with Hogan, you know, pointing at Macho Man, who's got the belt and got Elizabeth on his on his shoulder. And I mean, you'll never forget that moment. Uh, you'll never forget that elbow where, I mean, Macho Man looked like he jumped clear halfway across the ring. Uh, just one of those iconic moments. And you're right, all, all made uh, by Hulk Hogan. Uh, but Hulk had... Uh, a, a perfect guy in Savage to take over while he went and filmed, and you know they were off to the races. I remember going to a house show uh, in Hartford that year, uh, a couple months after Savage won the title, and it was a big deal for him to be there. You know, WWF champions there, and Elizabeth is with him, uh, and I don't, I don't remember who he faced. It might have been Bad News Brown, uh, but man, he was so yeah. over. Yes, that pop he got, man, when that music hit, he was over. I mean, he he really was. He people embraced him and accepted him as. You know, the guy. So Hogan and Andre at WrestleMania 4, that goes to the, the double DQ, leaving them both out of it. So it's like, wow, what's going to happen here? Of course, they both show up in the main event, but Savage beats Patreed, he beats Valentine, he beats One Man Gang. Then he faces DiBiase in the finals. It's funny, DiBiase beats Duggan earlier, who kind of ties in because Duggan breaks the board over Andre's back. And yep. it's a nice main event. Uh, at the excuse me, the main event. So it's it's like they, they tie in a lot of loose ends. They tie in a lot of stuff, which is great. But then, of course, Hogan cheats and helps Savage <laughs> beat DiBiase, really. I mean, hits DiBiase with the chair. So he's involved. But even people are like, oh, he took away Hogan's spotlight. But, or Hogan took away Savage's spotlight when he, when he won. That was, to me, was awesome because he's advancing that story. Like, right. Savage is a little bit, like, not trusting 
of the Hulkster. He's a little bit iffy on the Hulkster. To, so to me, that added to it. Hogan is still the star of the era. He's still the big name. He's still the reason why WrestleMania drew so well. So it's like you can't just eliminate him immediately. You got to have him there and tease the Savage thing very subtly. But let's tease it. I love that. I do too. And they did a fantastic job just kind of weaving in those little nuances, you know, in the, in the next year uh, with, with all their pay-per-views, you know, with, uh, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into all of them, but uh, they, they were planting the seeds of dissent early on uh, that, you know, Savage was a jealous guy and they did, a, I mean, who better to use than Elizabeth, you know, to kind of plant the seeds that maybe Hogan has a thing for Elizabeth. Um, but, um, you know, WrestleMania four was, was the starting point and from then on it was just it was the greatest build to a main event that i've ever seen it is crazy to think like wow they could write so good back then and be so, <laughs> yeah, so precise i mean like yeah. literally na- they nailed wrestlemania 4 yep. and and teased the tension so i was like okay then you go to SummerSlam 88 and it's mega powers mega bucks i mean there, there's some stuff obviously in between this WrestleFest 88 hogan mm-hmm. beats andre in the cage savage beats dibiase um, in terms of you know to defend the title and retain yeah. the title, but then SummerSlam comes the Mega Powers, Mega Bucks, Andre and DiBiase versus uh, Savage and Hogan, then Torres like as the ref. Match. Yeah. So again, you're piggybacking off Hogan Andre, but how could you create stars because Andre can't really go, and right. Hogan's still a star, but they're still trying to make money off Hogan Andre from WrestleMania three. So it's like let's create another pay per view. They had Survivor Series eighty seven. Let's create Summer <laughs> SummerSlam. Uh, 88 so it's yep. like wow hogan and, and andre again are creating this but how can we advance it even further let's put savage in there hogan and him mega powers boom made man let's put dibiase mega bucks andre boom dibiase's made man love the thinking there and put jesse in there make it a total mm-hmm. power keg yes no jesse was uh was perfect for that because you never know like what side he's gonna be on he claimed he's gonna be unbiased uh they offered money on the brother love show and he wouldn't take it um we saw at the end with the fun with the finish he didn't quite want to make the three count but they made him count three so i thought that was a nice little touch uh you throw elizabeth in there with you know taking her skirt off and having her her red panties on and you know that was supposedly hogan's idea and so that plant that plants more seeds right there that you know hogan's got a thing for her so it just it it is it was genius writing to put all that together and Honestly, they made another man that night, which was Ultimate Warrior, which would later, you know, face Hogan. They had him squashed the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time, the Honky Talk Man, in like 35 seconds. Uh, oh, that so, pop at MSG that was insane for him. Dude, I mean, it was great yeah. for Hogan Savage, but for Warrior, yeah. it was like, whoa, yep. like, we had a new star on our hands here. So at that point, they were, they were making him a big deal, too. And who knows? Maybe Hogan had a uh, hand in that or something. Maybe he said something to Vince or who knows? I don't we don't know. But uh it's just kind of again to see like who's getting lined up to face hogan down the line uh warrior was another great one but you could see the wheels turning yeah savage is a little paranoid which is really playing off him backstage which is awesome too because i love when reality gets blurred <laughs> in when you're a kid you don't realize but we're re-watching yeah. and stuff like oh this is great he's like legit paranoid like you think it's a work you think it's a shoot but it's like i think it is a shoot you know you get you get lost in it sometimes because it like, might have been who knows yeah he might, might have been serious yeah 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 very paranoid from what i heard back in days yes. locking her in the dressing room but you have to understand i mean you know especially if you look at the plane ride from hell the way the boys act uh i would lock her in the back room too and not let any of the boys get to her uh so it wasn't as much paranoia as he's 
really being smart and trying to keep the guys away from her because uh you know what happens when the guys start drinking yeah yep it's not it's not safe back there That's so not- obviously the mega powers win over the mega bucks yeah. then we go to survivor series and they're teaming up again my favorite yeah. survivor series team of all time by a mile everyone always says oh how could that be i love the way this team is set up you get the two best to me hogan and savage mm-hmm. so if you put you could put me and 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 uh, the garbage guy and my neighbor on the team it would still be the best team ever it's hogan and savage are on a team together people come on yep. so mega powers love hillbilly in that spot because he's hogan's boy i right. love hercules in that spot because he's perfect as like that upper mid card guy and i like that slave storyline with with dibiase yes which was pretty edgy at the time you're like well, wait a second he bought this guy he, he yeah. owns him and then you know the virgil thing too so it's like it's really really pushing a lot of issues then coco who's like that perfect he could take the pin but he'll get the crowd excited you know that kind of guy oh, people loved him yeah yes so i love that team it's just an awesome team then obviously the, on the other side you get the twin towers, DiBiase, Red Rooster, and Haku. Great little heel team. All the guys make sense. The twin towers going up against the mega powers yep. right, is the clash. So I love this fire series. Love that team. They even tease the fact that that there's no way Hogan and Savage can win. They do win. They tease even more with Savage, kind of really, really turning it up a notch on the paranoia thing, like pointing at Hogan. Yes. Point of the crowd, like, what is this guy doing? Like, they really turn it up at Survivor Series. Yeah, that was really when, like, people took notice. Like, all right, there's something strange going on with, you know, Hogan getting handcuffed and and them putting their hands on Elizabeth and her finally knocking out Slick and getting a key and uncuffing Hogan. And after, you know, after they win the match, you know, Hogan gets the win, even though he's not the champion. Hogan gets the final pin on Haku uh, with the leg. And then, you know, they celebrate. Uh, Elizabeth comes up behind Hogan and taps him on the shoulder. He turns around and, and gives her a big hug and swings her around. And Macho was like, what's going on here, brother? What's, what's Hogan doing with my girl? Huh? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then you, you know, they both pose together. But then, yeah, you have Macho Man looking at him on the corner of his eye like, I keep my eye on this guy because I don't know what's going on. Beautiful, beautiful story writing. And I love the fact that, okay, they're the strongest force in the universe. We go off air gorillas like that. The mega powers are the strongest force ever in the history of the world wrestling federation. And then slowly, but surely Hogan and even leading into 89 Hogan wants her to be his valet. Yep. So Elizabeth wants Miss Elizabeth to be in his corner for the matches. So like really teasing something here. It's like, you don't think anything nefarious is going on, but obviously Savage does. He thinks Hogan is putting her in harm's way. He doesn't like that. She's not with him all the time. Why is she managing Hogan? So it's a real rift between them. And I really love it because it's like, they're setting up something here, but are they like, can they? I thought they're the mega powers. There's no way they're going to explode. I mean, I, I love the, the tension because it just builds and builds from like almost nothing at um, WrestleMania four, but a little bit something. Then Survivor Series yep. 88, a little bit more than, um, excuse me, SummerSlam 88, a little bit more than Survivor Series 88. A lot is turned more. up. And yeah. then eight, into 89, it starts getting more and more and more. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, what we see at the Rumble uh, was, was really like, okay. All right, maybe there's maybe there's something here. And uh, even as a 13 year old kid, I was like, "All right, um, what's going on with these two? I mean, you know, the Royal Rumble's every man for himself, but uh, apparently they uh, <laughs> Hogan didn't or uh, Savage didn't like what Hogan did to him. Uh, so that really kind of uh, kind of set things off. There is like, all right, maybe there's something wrong between these two. You know, can they coexist? Even Jesse the Body uh, was talking about it too uh, as they went off the air. Uh, yeah. 
you know, make, make notice of, uh, is there something wrong with him? Uh, I don't know if he was told to say that or if he said that on his own, uh, but Jesse was great at doing stuff like that, kind of planting the seeds of doubt as a heel uh, to the to the viewers at home. Yep. There's also Saturday night's main event from January 7th in Tampa when Savage helps Hogan. He kind of clears the ring from the Twin Towers, but he doesn't really help Hogan. It's weird. He just wanted to take out the Twin Towers. Yeah. So he, yeah. even even that was like, wait a second. I thought, and he kind of saved Hogan, so maybe he's his friend, but then he didn't even check on him, didn't care about him. Elizabeth cared more about Hogan than Savage. Savage cared more about beating up the Twin Towers. So that even is like, wow, that's interesting. And I think I think actually that's when Jesse made I, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's when Jesse made that comment like, is there something going on between those guys? Because Savage was was, you know, still giving Hogan the look there, like after he cleared the ring and, and Elizabeth is taking care of Hogan, who's down on the mat selling. And Macho Man's like, what the hell's going on? Like, I'm the champ. Like, why are you looking at him? And he kind of took her by the arm and and pulled her up. And, you know, you know, uh, Vince was selling it as, as a baby face. But that's when Jesse made the comment, like. You know, is there something going on between these guys? Like Macho Man looks like Macho Man doesn't doesn't like Hogan or doesn't trust Hogan. Beautiful work there in commentary to just kind of kind of plant the seeds of doubt. So the in essence, the heel always thinks they're right. But if yeah. you ever look at like the Hogan stuff, so uh, Royal Rumble '89, I love this Rumble. It's great. It almost gets to the point when Hogan and Savage get eliminated. It really slows down and it dies down, and it's not as good. I wish they could have somehow kept that for last. Yeah. Because they lost the momentum, even though I love Big John Studd winning it because it's just a shocker. Yeah. But to me, it, it kind of slowed down after they're gone because it was so good when Hogan and Savage are in there, uh, especially Hogan cleaning house of the brain bust and everything else. But Hogan by accident. But if you really look at it, it's like, was it by accident? Knocked out Bad News Brown and Savage. So if you're Savage, the guy who you think is doing something with your wife possibly, or this guy's trying to take your limelight, you're the champion. Yep. Why is this guy the star? Why does everybody cheer for him? I'm, I'm the really the, the I'm a world champion. I'm the WF world champion this time. I'm one half of the mega powers. Everyone should treat me equally. Yeah. It's funny to look at it and you're like, did Hogan just knock him out on purpose? I was, Savage might have a point here. And, and it, what's funny is Hogan had like a history of doing that in, in later Royal Rumbles too. He did it with Sid yeah. Justice too. Um, but yeah, no, uh, you know, when Savage got back in the ring and confronted him, I was like, uh-oh, yeah. <laughs> this, isn't, this yeah. isn't good. And even Elizabeth was like, got in the middle and said, stop fighting, you know, and Macho was like, why'd you throw me out? And, you know, Hogan's like, it's every man for himself. Like, you know, it's like, I didn't mean it. Um, that was that was pretty cool. And I think if you watched the Coliseum home video, I think they had like special bonus interviews uh, afterwards where they kind of asked Macho Man about it. Uh, mean Gene did. And he's like, no, it's okay. You know, we're good. We patch it up and all that. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously that leads us into, uh, you know, the culmination, the main event, February 2nd, 1989. This was just unbelievable storytelling, unbelievable mm -hmm. TV. Yes. Everything about it is great. First of all, the twin towers against the mega powers, you're going to get that main event, huge blow off to that great feud, which you almost thought like, is that going to be the WrestleMania five main event? Because there was being built up for months on end. Hogan yep. and Boss Man, and then the yep. Twin Towers and Mega Powers and Survivor Series, and it it just kept building. Obviously, Hogan and Boss Man have a couple awesome cage mm -hmm. matches, which is crazy, and that'll be a different story for a different day. But yep. you almost think like, where are they leading with this? So then, when Elizabeth gets taken out, and Hogan is more careful and and thinking about uh, Elizabeth and Savage, of course, Savage becomes insanely jealous, yep. and he, he's just nuts. But I mean, this isn't 
awesome uh, storytelling device and i can't believe like if you look back like this might be the best piece of storytelling they've ever done i mean it's awesome absolutely right uh you know hogan the the good guy uh you know the hero making sure the damsel in distress is okay and that's his manager uh and then picking her up and and carrying her back uh i don't know if they had a plant in the crowd benjamin questions this because we had this discussion too uh right before hogan gets completely to the back uh, backstage area uh, if you watch it and you listen closely, you'll hear a guy go, uh, you're a good man, Hogan. Now, Ben thinks that was a plant in the crowd to say that, but it was literally like near, like you could almost hear like, it, you know, like he was mic'd or something because it sounded like it was, it was as loud as the commentators. Uh, but I, I, I always remember that. Uh, but then, you know, Hogan taking her to the backstage area uh, to get medical attention probably was the biggest overacting job you'll probably ever see in the history of wrestling i mean it was like oh god doc is she gonna be okay is she gonna be oh please please save her please help her and i'm like okay I'm like i don't think she's dead she just kind of knocked out. it was a hell of a bump by the way i don't know how they pulled it off oh man um, that would almost look like she could have been knocked out unconscious yes like she hit he hit her hard and she hit that concrete as a, as a as a kid i was i literally cried like i i believed it all i thought she was you know in trouble uh, I thought she was going to die, <laughs> but Hogan, man, with his overselling was just, uh, it's, it's funny to go back and watch it at the time I was hooked, uh, but it's so hokey and so corny when you go back and watch it. But, uh, the interaction between the two after the, you know, at the end of the match and then backstage, I'll, you know, you'll never forget it. It's just one of those you know, iconic moments of that confrontation that, you know, you'll, you'll always, always remember both guys are just so intense and Macho Man was just so great. It just, being a real you know intense guy and and uh and a lot of people say that much men outshine hogan when it came to their confrontation hmm. so hogan obviously he goes back they end up winning that match but then he goes back to the back to check on elizabeth and it's funny too because he's like give me a countdown like he doesn't realize i guess somebody missed their cue or giving you a countdown yeah, yeah live tv for you but it you, you almost don't catch it because you're so like engrossed. Yeah, you're right. The, the overacting is, is great. <laughs> Savage, uh, oh man, it's great. Immediately goes to the back and he gets up in his face with that finger. You know, he's I don't trust you, Hogan. Just oh man, that is so good. And if anybody hasn't seen it, you want an awesome just story. The the girl gets knocked out. The other guy, not the husband, goes to try to be the hero. And the husband comes in, and oh, he's a jealous, pissed off man. I mean, and he leaves him in the ring to get his ass kicked by these two huge guys, right? Yeah, and yeah. Finally, you know, he holds his own. Hogan comes back out, goes for the goes for the hot tag, and Macho Man slaps him in the face. Like, yep. And Vince is like, "Oh God, what are you doing?" Like, and Jesse's like, "What do you think he's doing?" You know what I mean? Like, he left him out there in the ring. I'd be, you know, I'd be pissed off too if that happened to me. Um, and then just that that explosion backstage where. Macho Man's like, I am serious. Like, this has been building up for a year. I am sick and tired of this shit from you, Hogan. Uh, and really, like you said, just gets in his face and points his finger. And I do I do have a, a little snippet. This is probably the most iconic line from that. But Those eyes right there! Those eyes! Lust Elizabeth. You understand that? You got my face! You got lust for Elizabeth right there! And I'm going to tell you, it makes me sick. I can't even stand to look at you. But we'll always remember that. Uh, lost for Elizabeth. Uh-huh. I mean, that's just one of the most repeated lines from that that whole scene. And then, you know, he knocks Hogan out with the title, and yep. again, they introduce another character who's going to play, you know, a part down the road, uh, which was completely random at the time. For this beefcake, uh, tries yes. to 
make the save on Hogan and gets knocked out by Savage. So uh, they keep introducing these characters along the road that they're going to pay off later on. So I don't know if that was, you know, I'm assuming that was planned mm-hmm. not specifically to use him because, I mean, they had a whole roster of guys. Could have been Bret Hart, could have been Shawn Michaels, or, you know, could have been, you know, any Hacksaw or anybody. Uh, but they, they chose Hogan's, you know, one of his best friends in, in Brutus Beefcake. Um, Everything was very strategic. Like, okay, yeah. Savage, he's going to get the push. DBS, he did it. We're going to use Beefcake at this spot. Then Beefcake well, is going to be with Hogan later on down the line. Like, everything was very well planned out. And one thing nobody ever really mentions, and it's even kind of hard for me to watch now, before he uh, was going to smash Hogan again with the belt when Hogan was on the ground, um, before um, uh, Beefcake made the save, uh, Elizabeth was on Hogan, like checking on him and Macho Man picked her up by the arm and just fucking flung her backwards, like out the doorway, like with some force too. nobody ever talks about that or mentions that. But I was like, holy shit, like that's a that's a real rough th- thing to do, like to manhandle a woman like that on on live TV. You couldn't get away with that nowadays. Uh, there's no way you could ever do that. You know, Hogan would even attack, you know, Sherry and give her atomic drops and all that and kind of manhandle women. But yeah. um, that to me gets kind of overlooked. Like he picked her up and threw her hard out that out that that doorway in the back. So that was uh, crazy. Yeah, it was. It was crazy. Whoa. Yeah. Savage. He's only like a hundred pound woman. Savage is nuts. He lost control. But that it's so good. He got lust in your eyes, Hogan. Knocks him out with the belt. Uh, just awesome stuff. Because you think like these guys are friends, and boom, Savage snapped. He's had enough. Snapped. We've been building it up from WrestleMania four to SummerSlam to Survivor Series to Royal Rumble. Now at the main event, even before that, Saturday Night's main event. But now the main event, Savage finally lost it, and boom, we have our WrestleMania five main event. Hogan and the lustful, or excuse me, Savage and the lustful Hogan. Just masterfully done it just like wow like I, I wish they could have done more storylines throughout the years the way they did that i don't know if that's because hogan and savage were a part of it creatively i don't know if pat patterson took more in hand it i don't really know why but it was just so executed perfectly that you don't see that too much from them before or after weird i mean it's just you know hogan was hogan was a wwf i mean he was the face of the company uh, you know, at that point for four years, he was, he was the guy and obviously, you know, him and Vince were, were, you know, arm in arm. They may not have liked each other all the time as they've admitted over the years, but you know, they were able to get together and they knew how to draw money. So of course, when you have a guy that that's huge, uh, and Hulkamania is running wild, you're going to give him the special attention over everybody else. And yeah, they had Pritchard and, 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 uh, and Pat on it, I'm assuming. And, you know, the, two of the best minds in the business at that time and, and just really crafted everything. And I don't know how much Hogan and, and Savage had input on it, but I'm assuming they both did too. Cause I mean, even Savage had a great mind for, for his character. Um, but you know, get them all together and, and book this thing a year out. It's phenomenal. And then the, the, the promos they have leading up to WrestleMania five were, were just incredible, especially Savage. Like I said, with that intensity and just, you know, he's all sweaty and he's got these real intense eyes. And, you know, he just, you know, wants Hulk Hogan dead. Like he wanted him to die. He wanted to kill Hulkamania. Uh, he was so pissed off that he tried to, you know, take his spotlight. He's a, you're a prima donna. You're a hot dog or you're a showboarder. And, um, you know, uh, the, the whole Elizabeth thing, which is was perfect. Um, and then what was funny was 
Macho Man would kind of edit some of the, some of the footage that happened over the last year and kind of turn it into his favor to show that Hulk Hogan, uh, he, he's not a hero. Like he's a son of a bitch. And he, he tried to do all this stuff to me. And then Hogan would, would in return show, uh, the, the entire footage and not just out of context. So it was really kind of cool to see them go back and forth, uh, you know, for what we're looking at, uh, from February to April. I mean, they had a three month build up after the initial, you know, explosion, uh, to really put in some good work. So really we're on the way to Atlantic city, WrestleMania five, which is a full really year storyline arc. If you think about it, yep. it starts at WrestleMania four, really it starts in October of 87 as you build right. up the mega powers, but it really starts at WrestleMania four. And that's where the story kind of really gets going. Cause Savage is the champion should be the number one guy. Hogan is there. He's in the shadows. He's lurking. He's the real number one guy, but Savage did great business when Hogan, kind of did his thing and was making yeah. movies and and not there full time and then savage is the one you know drawing all the houses and not necessarily by himself but really he, when mm-hmm. you're the champion especially at that point you you said it says a lot so he's yeah. going to be champion for a full year leading into again at trump tower wrestlemania 5 in atlantic city new jersey the uh the donald trump home there so to me it's like okay this is a full year you get two wrestlemanias out of this and you could tell Pat Patterson, whoever's booking it, is really far in advance thinking this is where we are, this is where we yep. want to be. What an arc. Yeah. Perfectly done. And then having Elizabeth in a neutral corner because she can't pick sides mm-hmm. uh, was was another great move, too. And that was like the first time we ever saw anything like that. Because um, then it's like she's not with Macho, so she can't really be a heel. She's not with yeah. Hogan. Is she a baby face? So yeah. Very cool. It, was, it really was. And even at that point, um, they had an interview backstage with Sensational Sherry talking about the match, which is kind of weird. Like she had no involvement with either of the two. Uh, but Mean Jean kind of asked her what was going on, and she was completely on Macho Man's side, which again introduces another character into the story that's gonna draw money later on. So, like I said, they just keep sprinkling in these little things along you know the entire year to how you know at that point, I guess they knew where they were going with it. Uh, and then introduced, you know, Sherry with him after after the after the match, um, which is they paid off, you know, uh, a couple years later, WrestleMania seven, when when Elizabeth came back. So it, it's just it, it goes to show you when you have the time to put into it, when there's not a pay-per-view every single month, uh, when you have to do house shows and you have to you have you only have syndicated t- TV, you don't have live TV like, you know, Raw and SmackDown every week that they had to really they had enough time to let these stories breathe uh and and build up rather than just hot shotting everything uh and it it shows you i mean they did the some of the biggest business they they ever did in their history and, until the attitude era the story here is just unbelievable the way it's going so then obviously they're going to collide the mega powers explode you get that awesome poster you get this awesome build up will it live up to the hype well, it did that and then some 767,000 buys. Mm-hmm. And at this point, this is like kind of the really when pay-per-view is starting to build up, especially for wrestling, it's like really starting to build. It's like, okay, Hogan and Andre did awesome business, 93,000 fans. All right, Trump Tower is probably going to hold about 20,000, but 
pay-per-view is a lot stronger at WrestleMania 5 than it was in WrestleMania 3. Really, more homes can get it. It really yeah. built up huge. And, and kind of, you know, really on Vince's back and WF's back and, and Hogan, really, is kind of setting off the pay-per-view boom. So you think to yourself, okay, so Hogan and Andre probably did the most business, but did it? I mean, you charging whatever you're charging money-wise. Yeah. yeah, and you got 767000 7, buys. So, okay, we well, might have a new... Uh, best feud moneymaker wise even yep. though hogan andre set up all these pay-per-views and set up a lineup all this stuff and 33 million viewers but you think it like oh yep. shit pay-per-view wise wow all these people are shelling out all that amount of money and tons of people to see this match i mean it's like what a pay-per-view draw for years years it held the record basically mm-hmm. until i think it was wrestlemania uh, 15 Ho- uh, austin rock i think was the the next one that even broke even close to seven hundred sixty-seven thousand crazy yeah, that's amazing that's i mean that, in in 89 i mean that's a lot of people and and that really was like the like you said the boom year for pay-per-view it was it was great for wwf and the nwa with, with turner because uh you know i was fortunate enough as a kid you know my parents let me get every pay-per-view that year so um it, it was great just watching two types of wrestling you lucky bastard i know i, I no, really i was blessed uh you know my parents let me watch all that um, but, uh, yeah, no, this was a, a huge, and, and if you really go back and watch WrestleMania five, it wasn't that great of an event. Uh, the undercard, it's, it's the one, one match show. It's Hogan Savage it really is. Uh, and, and look, they had great talent and a great undercard. Um, but I don't know if it was just the, the pacing of the event. It was, it was really long. It was one of the longer WrestleManias that they had. Um, I think it was over four hours and, uh, you know, having run DMC in there was, was, a, was a, a niche thing, a gimmick thing to get them in there, which, which was fun. Uh, having Roddy Piper come back to do Piper's pit was, was another cool thing. Uh, but really you're right. It was, it was about Hogan and Savage. The mega powers explode. And, uh, it was just, they, it was a fantastic match at that point. I think it was Hogan's best match. Um, and he even, he even bladed a little bit. So we didn't, we didn't usually see a lot of blood in WWF yeah, yeah. at that time. Uh, but that was kind of, uh, you know, a, a cool thing to add to it. And the, the intrigue with, with Elizabeth during the whole match, you know, is she going to help anybody out? Uh, Savage even grabbed her at one point and used her as a, as a human shield. Uh, I was like, man, this guy's such a, he's just an asshole. He's like trying to put a woman in harm's way. Like that's supposed to be his, you know, his love interest or his manager. And, and it just, it, it was, it was beautiful story. That's all I can say. I'd say uh, I sound like a broken record, but it was just beautiful storytelling um, from, from beginning to end. But, uh, I thought the match uh, in itself was fantastic. Hogan kicking out of the elbow, which nobody had ever done before, uh, and then hulking up. It's just, it, it's it's typical Hogan, but it still worked. Like, we still bought into it. Man, I was true blue Hogan at this point. But really, Hogan Savage is what sold the pay-per-view. That's kind of the, the big match. Everything was, the marketing was all about that. Yep. So if it failed, I mean, you could say, oh, Hogan Savage, I guess not, you know, not a great feud. Man, did it succeed! So right that, then and there, Hogan's like, "Okay, this guy is money." Vince, I mean, everyone realized, like, "Okay, this guy is on par with Hogan." Yep. As far as I wouldn't say one A, one B, but I mean, it's like Hogan's one and he's two, but not two by that far. I mean, it's it's pretty damn impressive what Savage was able to do. And really, Hogan kind of was creating the star that he he gave Savage the rub for that whole year as the mega power. But then you got to 
explode. You had to split them up. And the match is awesome. I love it. Meltzer, which is nuts. If you go back and look at it, it's one of those things where obvious Hogan hater, you just got to laugh at it. Yeah. What a horrible rating. The match is awesome. I think he gave it 2.75 stars. It's it, First of all, it's at least three. I would probably give it four just for the mm-hmm. emotion. Yep. It matches all. You could just tell, like, absolutely ridiculous the rating on it just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever uh great great match anybody hasn't seen it you're, you're nuts first of all but uh, go back <laughs> and watch it because it's awesome yes absolutely right and you know it what what was good about it was there was still meat left on that bone like that was the first real confrontation they had but uh you know it's they they carried the feud out for the rest of the year what what surprises me is maybe i shouldn't be surprised knowing hogan the way he is but Savage never got another televised title shot from Hogan um, at all. Not, not until 1990, February of 1990. Right. Yeah, which is kind of uh, strange that they were still able to headline main events, uh, you know, with SummerSlam and Survivor Series, which Survivor Series didn't have any singles matches anyway. Uh, but still, they were able to main event the next two pay-per-views without having a title match. Very weird. It wasn't like this big rematch, but I I kind of liked it because it kept Savage strong because you know he's going to lose again. So yeah. you know, you got to right. keep him strong. Who were you rooting for though? Were you a Hogan guy or were you a Savage guy? I, again, I was torn because I like both of them, but I mean, I still, you know, Macho Man to me kind of edged out a little bit just because I was just a huge fan of his work uh, and his character and his flamboyance and his colorful robes and all that and you know the cool voice and even though he was a bad guy again. Uh, I st- I still liked him, um, but I mean I I, w- I still liked Hogan too. It was um, it was a conundrum, uh, but as I have gotten older, I start to um, kind of respect Hogan a lot for the work that he put in too. Because people don't think you know they think he just goes out there and hits the boot and hits the leg and poses and it's over. But uh, <laughs> you know I mean Hogan Hogan put a lot into that too. Like he was uh, a perfect Great seller. A yeah. great seller, like fantastic for a guy that big too, who didn't need to sell. Uh, he really was a fantastic seller and a perfect babyface for that territory. Um, but coming into SummerSlam '89, I was I was pulling for Macho Man and Zeus. Uh, you know, coming off the heels <laughs> of uh, of No Holds Barred as well. Like it's kind of cool to see Zeus kind of you know get introduced into the fold. So cool as far as like making you know obviously the match, the movie, and, and bringing Zeus into it. But with Savage, it's like, okay, smaller guy, will Hogan draw with him? Oh, shit, yeah. So yeah. that whole Hogan-Andre thing was great, but you don't necessarily have to be Hogan versus Giant. It doesn't need to be Hogan-Kamala, yep. Hogan-Gang, Hogan-Bossman, Hogan-Akeem, uh, Bundy-Stud. It doesn't necessarily it could be a smaller guy like Savage. And you get that emotional investment, and the crowd is nuts. I was true blue Hogan guy, even though I love Savage. I was like, God damn it, Savage, you turned your back on the Hulkster. <laughs> yeah. Son of a bitch. So uh, I definitely went with Hulkster. So then you think, okay, you have that match in New Jersey. Hogan wins. What can you do? Like you said, Zeus is going to bring into the fold. Then you bring back Beefcake, who Savage beat up. So everything ties in together. Yes. SummerSlam 89. Feel the heat, baby. Again, New Jersey. I feel like New Jersey 89 is like perfect. <laughs> yeah. They're hand in hand, yeah. arm in arm. Yeah. They're making a shitload of money, ton of money in New Jersey in 89. Hogan and Beefcake defeat Savage and Zeus at SummerSlam 89. Pretty cool and random to get your boy uh, Zeus out there. But another thing is 625,000 buys on pay per view. So that feud right. is still strong as ever. Which is funny because, like, Savage almost kind of took a back seat at that point, even though they came off of WrestleMania. 
and, and he was a champ. It was more about Hogan and Zeus. And then Beefcake and Savage had their own program with Savage cutting Beefcake's hair and then and, and introducing Sherry into all that against Elizabeth. Um, yeah, the, the focus was on Hogan and Zeus, but they still needed Macho Man there to kind of, you know, to sell it. Yeah. Um, because I think if Hogan would have fought Zeus on his own, I don't think they would have gotten that many buys. Uh, no offense to, to Tom Lister. Um, but, you know, blurring the lines of reality between movie and wrestling, which they're trying to make you think that wrestling is real and the movie was fake when they're, they're, they're both fake. Uh, right. They're both entertainment. It was kind of cool. And it's something nobody had ever done before. And I, I again, you got you to gotta thank Vince McMahon for that, for, for having the vision to uh to see how how big you know tom lister was and and put him in that movie like uh maybe we can do something with this guy afterwards even though he's green as goose shit and watching that match you can see savage literally telling him what to do (laughs) and leading him by the arm uh was um it was it was interesting and as a kid i ate it up man like i love no holds barred i freaking saw the movie like four times in the theater when it came out so when I first saw Zeus on Saturday Night's main event confront Hogan before that, that cage match with the boss man was like, holy shit, that's a guy from No Holds Barred. Like, what's he doing here? And again, is it ludicrous? Yes, because the guy knew nothing about wrestling. But <laughs> at the time, it worked because WWE What a was, look. His it, look, it star worked. power charisma yeah. was nuts. Yeah. Absolutely. Couldn't cut a promo, but I mean, who cares? All he had to do was sit there and scream. That's, that, that's, that was his job, and he did it well. Uh, and unfortunately, he had to wrestle. <laughs> um, but I bought into it. I thought it was. I thought it was great. Again, just masterful storytelling from from Vince McMahon and his crew. So one stop along the way after SummerSlam, ten ten eighty nine on Sky One in London, England. Hogan defeats Savage. If you can see that match, awesome stuff. It's about fifteen minutes or so, but it's a great mm-hmm. match if you get your hands on that one. So th- that's one of the things is like, okay, we need to go to London. How do we sell it to show? There you go. Hogan Savage. Let, let's go to old reliable here. Let's go Hogan Savage. It's funny, like you just looking at like all the money of the shows. So let's go WrestleMania 4, 485,000 buys. Like that's pretty good. And it's building up, you know, with the buys. Yep. Uh, SummerSlam 88, 400,000. Safari Series did to 310. It's like, okay, you know, it's around Thanksgiving. You know, it's a little bit lower. For whatever reason, Royal Rumble's first foray into pay-per-view only did 165K. So you're thinking, uh, okay, you know, there was no real big match. The yep. Royal Rumble, people aren't sure of it. Then, like I said, 767 for, for WrestleMania, and then 89. SummerSlam, 625. So now we're rocking and rolling with the storyline. Now we're going to London. We need to sell it out. Old reliable Hogan and Macho man, man, it's a pretty damn profitable feud. Just, uh, just thinking like, okay, we took it from point A of them teaming to them exploding. Now we're taking it even further, and we're making even more money and bringing Zeus into the fold. Now we're going to start making some money with No Holds Barred, even though it's a you could say it's a bad movie. They made money on it, and then after the fact, when they put it on VHS and when DVDs came out, they yeah. made even more money on it. So it was profitable despite what everyone says, it was a moneymaker. It was. And yeah, I mean, the movie's horrible, but I mean, I've still seen it a hundred times and I could still I watch it. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those, you know, we all like to reminisce about our childhood and I was, you know, 13 when it came out. So that's right in my wheelhouse as a wrestling fan. I can't uh, believe you were rooting for Zeus. Come on, man. <laughs> it's just, I mean, he was, he was a, he was a huge guy. I mean, I just, uh, and he was with my, you know, he's with Savage. So he's okay with me. 
but making Brutus, you know, uh, a made man at that point too, because while he was over on his own, I mean, people forget um, he gets a lot of shit, you know, for the booty man and all the stuff he did later on the butcher and all that. But Brutus Beefcake on his own was very, very popular uh, yeah. on the cover of WWF magazine a couple times. Uh, good looking guy. Uh, people really liked him and people loved the gimmick of cutting people's hair after the matches. So he was super, super popular. So putting him with Hogan uh, just kind of grew his popularity. And again, if this guy's with Hogan, he's, he's cool. Like nobody's going to mess with Brutus. It made Brutus bigger than what he was. Unfortunately, they never you know went anywhere with it after the fact. And maybe his accident had a lot to do with that. But um, at the time I thought it was cool. I was like, wow, uh, you know, I liked this guy before, but now he's with Hogan. So, you know, he, he's cool with me and he wasn't a fantastic wrestler and he, you know, he was an okay promo, but he was, you know, Hogan's guy. So, uh, you believe that he was a big deal because of his association with Hogan. It's funny back then, like some of the guys you like, look, you're like, ah, oh, not that great of a worker, but star power. I mean, he yes. just had that charisma. He had the it factor. He was just a star and looked like a star and was yep. huge and he was in great shape. And, you know, he did a cutting and the strutting. So he was definitely a star. And hey, he gets in the no holds barred steel cage match, the match in the movie, no holds barred, which you got to love that title. I loved it. And, yeah. And him and Hogan defeat Savage and Zeus about 10 minutes or so from Nashville, Tennessee. But big step up for Beefcake. Still keep Savage in the main event. Still believable while also promoting the movie while also pumping up Zeus. So, I think it hit on all cylinders. I think it was a pretty damn cool thing. I do too. And again, it was something we had never seen before. You know, it was one match. Uh, yep. And then, you know, they showed the movie beforehand. Had a great buildup before they, they played the movie that, you know, Sean Mooney and Tony Schiavone out there, you know, kind of setting the stage in between, yep. you know, the segments. And, um, you know, the crowd was hot. Uh, the movie was great. I mean, the movies, I love seeing the movie again. Uh, and then leading right into the match after that with a, with a real hot crowd. Uh, was just cool, and Tony did a fantastic job setting setting the tone for that. About having, he just gave a little pitch about how um, how destructive the steel cage match could be, and how these these four guys are stepping in the cage, you know, and who knows what's going to happen. Uh, the unforgiving steel, just God, it just it was such a great production overall. Uh, and I don't know what that did for buys, but I, I mean, I I I bought it. I was <laughs> that was my Christmas present that year, so. Really, if you look at it, okay, like that's a success. Excuse me, the movie is is a is a plus. Mm -hmm. There, you know, a little bit of profit. I mean, any profit is great in the movie business. Literally, they just saw Jungle Cruise made like a dollar more than than they than they spent on. They're like, nope, we're making a second one. Yeah. So, I right. mean, it, just the way it is. I'm I'm just surprised they didn't do a follow up to that movie because if sure. it saw you know three million dollar profit, whatever it was, I'm sure it wasn't like let's do another one. But you know, it, it is what it is. I think they they kind of. They took what they could out of Zeus and got all all the star power and juice they could and, and put the pay per view. And you mentioned the the before the one last one on one match, the really the rematch for Savage, and that's at the main event three, and that was yeah. Jewel Lois Arena in Detroit, Michigan. Originally, they had planned on it being Mike Tyson as a special guest referee, but once Tyson loses to Buster Douglas, right? That's right. You can't bring him in to be the referee. It's it's like, oh man. So he blew it for himself, and I'm sure the WWE was pissed because the star power. Imagine Tyson in the middle okay. of Hogan and Savage. I mean, I love Buster Douglas, but Tyson is the pay per view blockbuster. He's oh, a yeah. huge star. He's probably the biggest boxing attraction of all time. So yeah. it's like, man, he blew it there. But WWF's like, 
we can't bring in the loser. We got to bring in the world champ. Plus, Tyson was going through a lot of other issues at this time. Yeah, he it, was. It almost would have been maybe bad publicity to bring him in anyway after all that stuff came out to light. But Buster Douglas is the ref. Still pretty cool. Hogan wins. Buster Douglas knocks out Savage afterwards. Really cool kind of thing. But that's Savage's rematch, really, in, in a nutshell, in, in uh, February 23rd, 1990. And that's kind of the end of the Hogan-Savage feud. Really goes from October 87 to February 1990. Pretty good little juice. Pretty good run. That is a great run. I mean, you guys would love to have a run like that on top. Uh, and, you know, again, that fr- from then on out, Macho Man was, was a major player. I mean, even though he moved on to do his own thing, he, you know, he got involved with, with uh, you know, Sergeant Slaughter and Ultimate Warrior. Uh, what else, who did he, he, got, he got involved with Dusty Rhodes at one point, too. Yep. Um, but he was always in kind of high-profile matches from that. Making him the Macho King was that year was a was a big deal too to kind of keep him as a as a major guy and you know he he pulled that off uh you know like like nobody else he really embraced that king character the macho king and you know coming out on the you know the uh whatever they call it, the the throne that they carried to the ring every match with sherry um yeah i mean that was just you know he was always involved in 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 major things after that even though he wasn't feuding with hogan anymore savage was a made man he was a big deal so think about WrestleMania four and five. Yes, it was not in a stadium. It was at Trump Plaza yep. in Atlantic City on the boardwalk there. But in essence, it was maybe a bigger money maker than uh, m- many of the other WrestleManias because almost five thousand buys, almost eight hundred thousand buys. So you're like, holy moly, we're looking at a shit ton of buys for Hogan and Savage. In essence, because Savage is really the WrestleMania four star. Hogan five, them together, mega powers explode that big storyline arc for two years. So, man, what a profitable feud. Is it the greatest feud of all time? In my opinion, yes. Just with the amount of detail that went into to you know every every little thing that they did with that feud meant something. Every TV appearance meant something, every pay-per-view meant something. Like I said, planting the seeds of doubt throughout the whole thing was just it was was genius and it, it's something that obviously we'll never see again just because of the nature of of the business now with the pay-per-view model and, and the tv model they have um but like i said back when they had time to do that and let a storyline breathe for you know a year a year and a half almost two years um it, it in my opinion it, it is the greatest storytelling that's ever happened with the two biggest guys in the business at that point huge money maker great storylines, great in-ring action, great chemistry, whether they were teaming or feuding. Hogan Savage, to me, got to be up there. If it's not the top one, top one, two, three, greatest feuds of all time. What a freaking masterful job by all parties, including Vince, by putting it all together and really putting his eggs into the Hogan Savage basket. Love this feud. To me, the, the biggest part of the Hogan era of like continuing to make money. So you had Piper. What can you follow it up with? Eventually Bundy, then Andre. Then you're kind of putting DiBiase and Andre together. Then you're making the mega powers. The twin towers are involved. Boom, you split. You got Hogan and Savage, and they just make a shit ton of money. So, I mean, Hogan is the god of wrestling for a reason, but Savage is right there with him. Because for every great babyface, there has to be a great heel. And that's what makes the greatest stories. So, I mean, people want to remember Hogan as being the guy at that point, but I don't think anybody else but Savage could have could have done that, to be quite honest. It's just, it's it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I mean, not once-in-a-lifetime. We saw it later in WCW, but didn't really have the same, the same luster. But, I mean, 
<laughs> luster. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> See luster in your eyes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a once in a lifetime feud that you could really only capture that intensity once. Uh, and anything after that is just kind of piggybacking off of your prior success. Uh, it's but I don't think they didn't go back to that well because 21 mm-hmm. yeah. million viewers for Hogan Savage at, on WrestleMania at uh, the main event at, um, with Buster Douglas as a ref. 21 million viewers for that show. A lot of people. Yeah. And I actually forgot about that match. That's funny that you brought that up. But, uh, I, I completely overlooked that. But yeah, anybody else but Savage, I don't think it would have had the same effect. It was just the two perfect characters coming together at that point uh, with, with a great story. And like you said, look at all the stars they made on on the way there with, you know, DiBiase and Beefcake and, and all those, you know, Sherry and all that. So, and Zeus, I guess, to an extent. Um, all got the Hogan rub. Yep. Like, I think Bruce says it, the Hogan dust. I always say the Hogan rub, Hogan. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, you know, the rub. The, of course, you're getting the rub. But to me, it's like, okay, you got Hogan. He's the man. But you have to have the other players involved because, yes, yeah. you're invested in Hogan. But if he's got nothing going on, it's just like, you don't get as into it. You know what I mean? You, you yeah. love them, but you don't get as into it. But then you throw Piper and Andre and Orndorff and Bundy, all these guys into the mix. And then Savage, you're like, this guy's the most intense guy Hogan's ever fought. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God. Like, can Hogan beat this guy? And he, and he was his friend. And he thinks, you know, Hogan was fooling around with his wife. It's like, holy crap. You throw in the realism into it. Perfect. Yep. And we'll probably, we'll never see anything like that again, which is unfortunate. Uh, and really after that, you know, let's not forget, you know, pay-per-views once a month wasn't really a thing until you know the mid to late 90s so they had the time to kind of build programs like that uh, but again hogan and savage were just the two perfect characters for that did i enjoy the 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 program warrior of course you know they had a fantastic match i love the stuff with sergeant slaughter because of the gulf war and, and him being an iraqi sympathizer and hogan being the, the all-american patriot but it, it just they didn't have the same effect on me as hogan and savage did think about this so 84 to 93 really is the hogan era it hits as soon as he leaves the business goes down but the last ever time the mega powers teamed 1992 march 29th great house show from the all the palace at auburn hills in auburn hills michigan the mega powers of hogan and savage defeat flair and sid by DQ. Imagine being at that show. Wow. Never knew that happened. That's that's the last tag match that I could see that their last match of the Hogan era that they had together was a tag match. So imagine being a part of that. And they're going to player and Sid of all people. Like right, right. Wow. And huge. Yeah, no, that is huge. And I I kind of forget that you know Hogan wasn't really a big player at that time. You know, WrestleMania eight was supposed to be his last match. Uh, then obviously he came back for another payday at nine. Um, but yeah, I never heard of that match. That's, that's, that's big because even Macho Man was still a big deal at that time, you know, after yeah. the feud with flair, that was a, that was a huge, I love that feud. Uh, if that would, that might actually be my second favorite feud of all time, uh, was flair and savage the first time I thought that was very, very well done, but, uh, yeah, I would have loved to be at that house show in, in Michigan to see, uh, the mega powers team up again. Yeah. One last that, time. Yeah. yeah. That would have been really cool. That's special. That's history, I guess. Obviously, we're not going to get because this is the Hogan era. We're not going to talk WCW stuff, but yeah. obviously, Hogan and Savage had way much more money to make and way more business to do together because of you know that feud. And I know Bischoff's obviously taking like what WBF was successful at, flipping it, changing a little bit, yeah, of course, a little different immaculations and stuff, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I don't even know if that's the correct pronunciation <laughs> of that word or not, but 
Hogan and Savage yeah. do it this way, do it that way. Hogan as Hollywood Hogan and Savage, they had plenty more money to make even up until 1999. Isn't so, that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Think of that feud. Whew. Really started in 85 and ends in 89. Some people said it didn't end really until Savage passed away because they're saying they were, he always harbored some resentment towards Hogan, but that's actually, a different story for a different day because that's not a part of the Hogan era. True, but I do have a little clip about that. Oh, oh. Be a man Come on, don't be a child. I love that. Great song. I love I actually, that album. I actually bought that album. Yeah, I did too. I, I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> I went to a show. Damn it. It was somewhere in Orlando in like 03. It might have been Armageddon. And they were handing out the posters. I wish I had it or I had it somewhere. My buddy might have it still. They were handing out the Be a Man posters mm-hmm. out, outside. And I got one. I was like, yes. Be a That's, man. So cool. That's so cool. Yeah. It's funny that he just carried that resentment you know, the whole time. Yeah. Real, I mean, story worked its way into real life, or real life worked its way into story. Like I said, that could have been a legit shoot the whole time they're you know working together, but it really culminated. But the fact that they could still do business, yep, they knew money shows you what kind of pros that you know, especially Macho Man was to work with Hogan after that in WCW when he really hated his guts. Think about all the money they made. Hogan, great businessman, Savage, Savage, maybe better businessman, (laughs) making you know, making the money doing whatever he has absolutely to keep, to keep that spot i mean you're fighting hogan you're you're in the top spot more than more than not yeah absolutely right so i enjoy this pause i love going back and, and talking about this yes. because it really like i said 89 was just my wheelhouse of wrestling and it's just this is this was just a, a beautiful story told uh that you know us wrestling fans that got to live it will always remember i mean unfortunately the newer fans probably don't even know anything about it so hopefully we're educating people that might be listening to this uh, to go back and watch it, it's all on Peacock, uh, and watch it before it's edited out because you never know. Uh, but uh, just uh, it was it was one of those feuds that I'll I'll always remember and I'll always cherish, and then I can still go back and watch it again, and it still holds up to this day. That's what I always say. People are like, "Oh, I don't know if it holds up." I go back and I, back and I watch all the Hogan era stuff. It's like. Man, that shit holds up. Sometimes even better because you get even more excited. You're like, oh, I remember when this happens. Yep. Watch the way Savage acts. You just kind of get in, in in more into it because you kind of understand more. You're like, man, Savage is, is great at, at you know delivering offense, or he's great at selling. Or Hogan might be the greatest seller of all time. You're just watching this stuff. Like, man, what? They're both masters, masters of the craft. And Savage made a good case. Hogan's not a great guy. Like, maybe there's a little bit more to it. Maybe he really did have a thing for Elizabeth. Like, it's it's very compelling. Look, Hogan, Hogan got away with a lot of stuff as being the top guy. Like you said, using the chair at WrestleMania four, that's not a that's not a baby face thing to use a steel right. chair. Uh he'd always, you know, like remember his match with a genius on Saturday night's main event where he'd rake his eyes or rake his back or <laughs> put his boot on his face and rake his face with his boot. Like that's not a baby face move. But Hogan was always able to get away with that. Crazy. So let's head towards the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com. And of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Rob, what do you got? Uh, I got a lot of stuff. I'll try to make it quick. Uh, RTW main event is my comedy show with uh, Dr. Ocho, where we, which you uh, uh, had on this show uh, as well. So uh, he's a, should be up on YouTube already, yep. but apparently somebody did something on Russo's channel and looks like they're suspended for three days or something. I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> it's always something, right? Yeah. Oh, um, but yeah, yeah, that's our uh, little comedy show that we do where we, we barely talk wrestling. It's just a, it's an hour, hour and a half long, just comedy fest. We try to pop each other all the time. Uh, that drops every Thursdays. 
uh rtw rewind kind of a little bit on a hiatus right now i've got so many other projects going on that i haven't really been able to focus my time on it but it is in the archives uh on the uh, hameen media group the affiliate feed uh and the red rob radio network just search rtw rewind uh, and you'll find out it's my retro show uh which used to be retro wrestling it got expanded to movies and television and and sports and all that so uh that's my retro show i have a bowling podcast as pause mentioned at the beginning of the show uh, Dr. Ocho and I uh, have a mutual friends uh, with Johnny Petraglia Jr., who his dad, Johnny Petraglia Sr., is in the PBA Hall of Fame. He's one of the greatest bowlers of all time, threw a 300 on national television on ABC. Uh, Johnny Jr., Ocho, and myself uh, talk about bowling. We break it down of uh, like nobody else. Uh, and, and it's actually it's, a, it's one of my favorite shows to do. Uh, I wish bowling was more popular because uh, it, it really is a good show. Uh, that drops every Friday. Uh, also, the dork side of the ring, as Paz mentioned, uh, that's kind of a bi-weekly, kind of whenever we have time. But Husey and I from uh, it, uh, hello, it's uh, it. Sorry, I'm gonna mess up his podcast name. Uh, it's Husey Hello, uh, who's a fantastic guy. He's such a great uh, comedian, and he's just so funny. Um, he and I have gotten together and kind of did a little pet project where we kind of take topical stuff like CM Punk coming back or Jericho's running AEW, and we just break it down to where. Uh, you know, CM, the first episode was CM Punk makes grown men cry. So we kind of just picked on the marks when it came to uh, the fanboys for Punk coming back. And then we talked about Jericho's run in AEW and if it really hurts his legacy, uh, seeing him in not the greatest shape at 50-something years old. So that's a fun show to check out. Uh, that drops at least once a month. And then finally, my, uh, my project with Drake Wirtz, former WWE NXT referee, uh, is called Uncanceled with Drake Wirtz. Uh, Drake uh, claims that he was fired from NXT and WWE uh, for being a conservative and for having different beliefs uh, and, you know, being involved in, you know, conspiracy theories and QAnon and all that. We debunk all that on the show. Uh, our motto for that show is challenging the woke culture, uh, cancel culture, one episode at a time. That drops for free on Fridays, but you can get the video version on Patreon uh, ad free and early on Tuesdays. Uh, patreon.com slash uncanceled podcast and for the higher tiers we have uh, bonus content where uh, we talk about drake's run his seven-year run in nxt uh, as a referee and as uh, as working in talent relations and he's going to tell stories that no one even has the balls to tell and he's not looking for another run there brother so he's really breaking down the fourth wall and letting everybody know like even what was in his earpiece during the matches when he was refing. so wow. really really good content that you won't be able to hear anywhere else uh, that's patreon.com slash uncanceled podcast. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Always appreciate you having me on here, brother. It's always fun talking wrestling with you. Yes. Thank you for coming on. Talk about possibly the greatest feud of all time, Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you right back here next week for a little bit of the Hogan Era podcast. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.